This podcast is brought to you by The City Church in Mississauga, Ontario. For more information, please visit thecitychurch.ca. We hope you are encouraged by this message from our lead pastor, Frank Coulter. You know, taking me to practice, and then he that one year he coached. Uh, that one year he coached, we'd have a game and a practice every week, sometimes two games. And uh, you know, he was just a great big part of our part of my life and my sister's life growing up. And I'm definitely thankful for him. Just want to honor you this morning, Dad. Thank you. You know, Father's Day and Mother's Day are a little bit different. Wouldn't you agree? <laughs> you know, um, part of, you know, on, on Mother's Day, it's just, you know, there's, it's, there's automatic emotion. And, and Father's Day, you know, my dad always said, growing up in church, you know, Father's Day, you like worship moms on Mother's Day. And then on Father's Day, you like kick it to the dads on a Father's Day and you want to get them somehow for their imperfections. And, you know, part of that's we just need to embrace as fathers and as men. We're just imperfect creatures. And I'm happy about that. You know, I have my wife to be perfect. I'll just be the guy. I'll just be the human in our house. And um, we will celebrate that. But, you know, we have from the scripture, um, God is, is shown us as the father. And so we're just going to look at some verses today. We're going to look at the fatherhood of God. And then for all of us who are fathers and maybe those of us who want to be fathers or young men in here, they're going to be fathers one day. Uh, we can celebrate the goodness of God, the fatherhood of God in our lives and his faithfulness. But then all of us as being dads, we can in, be inspired um, as understanding about who God is, that he is our inspiration. We are never going to be perfect like Jesus, Right. We don't claim to be perfect, uh, but we do follow a perfect God who gives us a tremendous example of what a father is. Now, when my, my dad, you know, teaching me growing up, he always said to me this phrase. He said that life is decisions. Life is all about decisions and that you're going to make or break your life with the decisions that you make. And those of us that are fathers, we have some good stuff that our fathers gave to us. They, they trained us um, with some certain things. And then there were some other things that our fathers gave us that maybe weren't so good. And if we employ this idea of decisions that we have to decide as men, as fathers, what are those things that we're going to set aside? Even though we were trained with those things, uh, maybe, you know, whatever our uh, insufficiencies of our father was, because none of us had perfect dads. Whatever those things are, that we would put those things down and then we would pick up the things of God. And those are choices that we're going to have to make as dads. Put some things aside, pick up some other things, specifically godly things. Godly character that God would show us from the word that he is the ultimate father, the ultimate heavenly father. And so we as dads, we can choose those things every day. We get to make those choices every day, picking up the things of God. So let's turn our Bibles this morning to Luke chapter 11. We're just going to read a little bit about God and his character. And uh, once again, that will inspire us as dads uh, to know those things to pick up and put down. And then those of us that maybe aren't dads in here, which is at least half the crowd, um, we can be inspired about the character of God our Father this morning. So let's read this here in Luke chapter 11, verse 9. Oh, before I read that, I wanted to make mention again of the series that we're going to be doing this fall um, based on your questions called You Asked For It. We have a link there on our church app uh, that you can send in your questions. What does the Bible teach about? And if you just submit your question to, we've had some great questions come in so far. 
If you are unable to download our church app because you don't have an Android or Apple device, uh, we have some sheets of paper there, guest services, where you can fill out your question and turn it in there, and then we will answer that question this fall during the You Asked For It series. All right, Luke chapter 11, verse 9. Jesus in these verses is talking about prayer, but then he talks about the character of God at the end of these few verses. He says this, I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, or natural, or carnal, that word means, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So we see something about the character of God here in these verses, that we see that when we ask for something from God, that God is not giving us a negative substitute for the things that we ask. That we know from our Heavenly Father that He is only good all of the time he's wholly good all of the time and then we see about the character of god that those of us that are natural fathers that are just earthly fathers that we would we give gifts to our children don't we give gifts to our children they don't know the gifts that we give uh, to them they get to breathe and live indoors and sleep on a bed and those are all gifts that we we give to them and so we give good gifts to our children and then it says how much more does god give us if we can give gifts to our children just being natural or normal or carnal not divine how much more does god give us the things that we ask so what do we as parents as fathers what is it that we should be giving our children now i just chose two things to talk about this morning um Two things that I definitely saw with my dad, you know, growing up, and, and he's definitely my model as a father. Uh, discipline and love. Discipline and love. And so we're going to talk about uh, God's discipline this morning, God's love, and then also uh, us as human fathers, the discipline that we should be giving to our children and the love that we should be giving to our children. And this was something that my uh, dad gave my sister and I in spades. He gave us lots and lots and lots and lots of discipline. And then he loved us once in a while. No, no, he loved us a lot too. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. He gave us lots of both. He gave us lots of instruction and lots of discipline. And, and looking back, um, you know, with my relationship with my dad, we were always having conversations. And uh, we were always talking about things. And we were always talking about the future. And we, he would always... Once again, back to decisions. He would be showing me how certain decisions will take you in a certain direction. If you decide this, and if you decide this for your education, you can, you know, lead up here, and it can take you to this place. And uh, you know, just having those conversations and having um, him giving me instruction all of the time, instruction all the time about. Um, specifically, he gave me a lot of instruction about work. That he would tell me stories about how. Before he was 16, that his dad um, went and got him a job downtown Toronto at a menswear store. And as you can see this morning, it's still stuck with him working at a menswear store. And that his dad actually paid the owner to give him a job before he was 16 because he wanted him to work. And I knew all the way growing up when I turned 16, the summer party was over. 
that when I turned 16, I was going to have to go and get a job. And there was going to be no more playing around. There was going to be no more golf in the summer. There was going to be no more lying at the beach at summertime, except on the weekends. There was going to be no more lazing around. That when you were 16, you're going to go get a job. And I knew that. There was, there was no options. When I got to 16, it didn't matter what I said. It didn't matter if I had a good case. It didn't matter if I gave a good argument. I knew, and I had been disciplined my whole life, to be aware that when I was 16, I was going to go get a job. And all along the way, he was training me, um, you know, to work in the yard and do different things. And my mom was training me to do different things around the house. Discipline, giving us a lot of discipline. And then also giving us a lot of love. Giving us a lot of care. Giving us a lot of time. Spending a lot of time with us. Even though it was difficult a lot of times. Once again, knowing what it's like to be a pastor. Living that out. He gave us a lot of time. Gave us a lot of attention. So we're going to focus on these two things, discipline and love. John chapter 5, verse 19, talking about Jesus here in his life and ministry. It says, so Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever, whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. For the father loves the son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will you show him so that you may marvel. Talking about Jesus' life and ministry, that the things that Jesus did and the ministry that he took part in, all that he did, he saw God do. That he was submitted to his Father. And for those of us earthly fathers, this is definitely um, a starting place for us, that we would be yielding ourselves to the ultimate father that we would be yielding our lives to god the father that this discipline that we are going to be showing and um, experiencing for ourselves that i'm just not autonomous that i'm not just doing my own thing that me as a father as a leader in my home that i'm not just doing this on my own but i'm actually submitting myself to god I'm submitting myself to God's word. I'm submitting myself to what he says. I'm submitting myself to his principles and his laws and his promises. That this is what we can model for our children. That we are not just doing our own thing, but we are living a yielded life. Jesus lived a yielded life, yielded to his father. How much more do we need to live a yielded life? So that discipline starts with us. That discipline starts with us putting effort into our relationship with God. That we are going to spend time with God. We're going to spend time in God's word. We're going to spend time praying. We're going to spend time at church. We're going to be intentional about our generosity and teaching our kids about generosity. So the discipline that we want to give to our children actually starts with us. And not all discipline is easy. It's not necessarily fun, but we know that discipline gives us good results in the end. So we start with ourselves. That we start with ourselves, Dad, that we uh, want to, to live a yielded life. Now let's turn over to Hebrews chapter 12 and we're going to read some fun verses in the scripture about discipline. Does everybody like verses on discipline? <laughs> Can I get one? Just give me a half-hearted amen. Come on now. We're going to read some verses on discipline. All right. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 5. It says, My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines those, the ones he loves, and he chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. 
For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, you have earthly fathers who disciplined us. I say, Amen. And we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? And they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed to be best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, that we may share in it, share his holiness. From the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So these verses, the first couple of verses there, it says these words, discipline and chastise. Now a lot of people will look at these verses and, and they will automatically insert negative circumstances. And I don't think the scripture is saying this here. The scripture is not saying here that God is going to discipline us with negative circumstances. Now, actually, the word discipline here means training, education, and instruction. So God doesn't discipline us with evil. God doesn't have any evil. Scripture tells us in James chapter 1 that God, there's no shadow of turning in God, that he is good. So the discipline being told here in the scripture, discipline means, I'm going to read it again, training, education, and instruction. And a big part of our relationship with God and then our relationship with our children, dads, is all about that. Training, education, and instruction. Even when they don't want to hear it. Training, education, and instruction. And you can't go by their face. You can't go by their rolling eyes. You have to give them education constantly. Why? You know, I would have hated this when I was a teenager, uh, but I love it now. Uh, dad knows more than his kids. Come on now, dads. You have to believe this. Because it's true. You know, I was leaving the grocery store the other day and there was a man, he had uh, his toddler's hand and they were walking out in the parking lot and the toddler was pulling to get away from the dad. The toddler thought, you know, I just want to be free of my dad's clutches. As they were walking out in the parking lot and what did that dad know that that toddler didn't? It's not safe for you to be on your own. You don't know enough yet. I know you think you know. I know you think that you want to run out into that parking lot and you don't want to have to hold my hand. But there's still a lot more training, education, and instruction that you need. And this is true for all of us. This is true for everybody. We all need training and instruction and education. We, we need to, to live a life of a disciple. But then this is something that we're going to be doing with our children constantly, forever. Training them, education, giving them an education them, to them. Giving them a different perspective. There's nothing like the perspective of age. There's nothing like the perspective of experience. Because someone who's had the experience can tell you from the future, hey, it's going to be okay. Hey, I, I went through this 10 years ago, and this is what happened, and this is what happened, and this is what happened, and you're going to be okay. And we're going to always need this. We're going to always need that training and education and insight that fathers can give us. The same way with us in our relationship with God. We'll, we'll have never arrived. We'll never be fully sanctified this side of heaven. That we're going to always need to be trained and educated and need insight into our lives. And so dads, this is part of our job. Discipline. Discipline for our children that we're going to be training, educate, giving them training, education, and instruction. Now that word chastise in verse 6, it means correction. That we need to correct our children. 
And once again, hated this when I was a teenager. Love it right now. Um, that we need to correct our children. Why do we need to correct our children just because we love to be in charge? No, because we need to correct our children because if they're making choices and decisions that are going to take them down a wrong road, why, why do we know this? Because we have a little bit of experience. We've seen some things. We've lived some things. We've made some wrong choices. And we've made those wrong choices and we don't want our kids to make those same wrong choices. We don't want our kids to be going down a certain road. So we have to correct our children. Hey, you're doing that. Hey, no, you're not going to do that. You're not allowed to act like that. You're not allowed to talk to your mother like that. You can't do that. You can't do this. We correct and we reprove and we, we, we want to change our children. Why? Because they're not always going to be in our sight. They need to go work a job that has a boss. And when they go and they work for that boss, you want your child to say, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. You don't want them to be saying to their boss, I don't feel like it. <laughs> Why? Because then they won't hold a job. So we don't want our kids to do that, so we need to train them. We need to correct them. You know, recently, um, my daughter got, this, she's in her second job now, which is amazing. It's fantastic. She got her first job when she was 15. Now, she was going to have to get a job when she was 16, but she jumped the gun a little bit and got a job when she was 15. And she, she's working now. She's not looking at me because she doesn't want me to talk about her in service. But hey, I have the microphone. And it's Father's Day. What? <laughs> So she got a job, she's working at a retail store, and like the first week after she went there, I went to the manager, and I said, if she ever gives you any trouble, you tell me. <laughs> but she's not, she, she kept the job, she's a great employee, she's doing great, they love her there. Why? Because she was trained. <laughs> you can thank your grandfather for that one he's sitting beside you I just did what he did <laughs> so training education instruction correction and reproving dad this is, these are the things that we need to do so we give our children discipline now discipline doesn't guarantee outcomes for our children but it sets them up for success and that's what we want we want to set our kids up for success. And so what do we do? We discipline them. We make the choices for them that they're not smart enough to make. For example, coming to church. You need to make this decision for their kids when they don't feel like it. You never ask your kids. Hey, do, do, honey, do you feel like going to church today? What? What does it matter what they feel like? It's a good choice to go to church. It's a, good cho it's a good choice to be a part of the church family. So you make that choice for them. And those choices that they need to make, you make that for them until they're old enough to make it for themselves. But you have trained them and you have shown them and you have been an example to them of that discipline. The discipline. Listen, all the things, the things in life that are worth doing take discipline. The things in life that are worth accomplishing, it's going to take some effort. It's not easy. It's not easy to do anything well. To do anything well, you've got to be disciplined. You've got to get up early. You've got to stay up late. You've got to put in your best effort. How, how are kids going to learn that, dads? If they don't see you do it. Come on now. 
So we're, and so we're going to do it. We got broad shoulders for a reason, right? So we can be an example for our kids and we can make those choices for them until they're ready to make them. I feel like my dad this morning. Um, (laughs) Proverbs chapter 12, Proverbs chapter 12. Let's turn over there. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 1 says this, Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. The Bible just went non-politically correct there on us. Just, hey, what do we need to do? We need to love discipline, love knowledge. Love discipline and love knowledge. This is something, dads, that we can embrace for our own lives. Love discipline, love knowledge. This is going to be a journey for us because these aren't always easy things. And so we love this for ourselves. Why? Because we want this for our kids. We, want, we don't want our kids to think that they've arrived at any moment. So we want to love knowledge. We want to love change and then we can embrace new information and we can be educated on certain things and we can still grow and learn even though we're not in school anymore. That they, they can teach us things. They can teach us how to use Snapchat. They can teach us different stuff. And then why? Because we love knowledge and we love discipline. And this is the type of, this is the type of dad that we should desire to be. That God disciplines us. He teaches us. And this is why as your pastor, I'm always encouraging everybody, what? To read the scripture. Read the word of God so that we can be disciplining ourselves with God's ways and his thoughts and his principles. So we can be living them out, living out a disciplined life. So we want to love knowledge. We want to love instruction. Ephesians chapter 6. And once again, this is another verse. That I, when I was a teenager, man, I hated this verse. It's not good to c- confess that in church. But I hated these verses when I was a teenager. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. It says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Discipline and instruction of the Lord. So God, this is how God has a relationship with us. He disciplines us. He trains us. He corrects us with his word. Wants us to know his word so that we could be living it out. But here in these verses it says this. Now here's what I thought as a teenager when I would hear these verses. You know, hear these verses. Children obey your parents for this is right. And I'm thinking, but they're not right all the time. That's the problem. That's the problem with these verses. They're not right all the time, but then I have to somehow obey them. Or I would think it would say, children obey your parents, Lord, for they are perfect. It doesn't say that. They aren't perfect. So for all the young people in the room, it's true. Your parents aren't perfect. I don't know if you figured that out yet. It's a sad day. Actually, when you realize that, when you're a child, you know, you, you, know, you, you grow up and you, 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 know, you, you have this high view of your parents. And then one day you're like, what? What was that? Their humanity came out. 
Maybe they're tempered, something happened, they made a choice, and then, you know, for a little while you were all disillusioned because you realized your parents are perfect. And then when you're a teenager, you don't think they actually know anything at all. How do they even live? They don't even understand anything. It doesn't say, obey your parents because they're perfect. It doesn't say, obey your parents because they're right all the time. It says, it's the right thing to do. This attitude of honor. So we're going to switch to kids here for a second. That we would honor our parents, not because they're perfect. We're going to honor our parents because it's the right thing to do. And it's good training. It's good training to honor the imperfect people in your house because you're going to have to honor the imperfect people at your job. Honor your parents. Children, obey your parents, Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. That it may go well with you. That they would live long in the land. So, parents, this is why we want to train our children to obey us. Why? Because it will go well with them if they're trained to be obedient. If they're trained to be obedient. It's going to go well with them. And then it says this, verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. One translation says... Uh, don't frustrate them with constant fault-finding. So, yes, we need to instruct our children. Yes, we need to train them. But we also shouldn't be frustrating them. We also shouldn't be so overbearing that they can't even think for themselves for a second and have a discussion with you. You know, the older they get, you know, uh, that was one of the things, because my dad was always having discussions with me, you know, we would eventually disagree about certain things and, and uh, you know, we would have long discussions and, and we still do um, about different things. Um, and it was okay for me to disagree with him. He didn't like shut me down just because I didn't agree with him. And sometimes we got louder and louder um, in these conversations and discussions. But I was able to do that. He was letting me grow up and have these discussions with him. And he wouldn't always shut me down just because I didn't agree with him. That we would have these discussions and then he wouldn't just like find fault with my ideas. So dads, we're not supposed to be pummeling our children into submission with their ideas. As they grow, they need to be able to think and ask questions so so that you can have good discussions with them about a lot of different things. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord, once again, bringing it back to our relationship with God. That we as dads, that first thing, that first place in our lives is our relationship with God. We put, we put God first. We show that to our children. We teach that to our children. As we sit down with them at night for tuck-in time and we pray and we talk to them about different things. And you're showing your kids, you're leading your kids into a relationship with God. See, the church is just a supplement to you discipling your own children. We're, we're coming alongside you, parents, and what we do on a Sunday morning is just supplementing what you should be doing with them during the week, teaching them and giving them instruction, showing them godly principles, showing them godly choices. Now, what happens on Sunday morning is just a bonus. It's just a bonus for what you do in your home. This is dad. This is, this is us. This is where we would take on this responsibility. We would take on this, this responsibility that God has given to us as fathers. It's such a wonderful thing. It's such a wonderful responsibility. It's such a wonderful blessing to have children. 
You know, and uh, whenever, you know, I think about my kids and I think about my kids and their future, and I think about them, it's hard for me to think about, but, you know, I'll let them get married one day. I don't know. It's going to be a long time in the future. Like, my, if you follow my Twitter, you know, my Twitter header says D-A-D-D, which stands for Dads Against Daughters Dating. And I know some of you parents out there, you think you got great sons. I'm just telling you, but I can't even imagine that there's a son out there that's good enough for my girls. I'm just saying, it's a hard thing for me to think about. And it's, I mean, I just, whatever that day is, whatever that day is, whenever I have an open vision from God and he says it's okay, <sighs> those boys are they're gonna, it's gonna be tough. I'm just telling you, it's gonna be tough. You know, I had a chance to talk to the, the teenagers a while ago about relationships and stuff. And the reason that's going to be tough for any boy that's going to want to show up at my door, the problem is for them is that I was a teenage boy. <laughs> and I know how ridiculous the thoughts were in my head, especially about girls when I was a teenager. So I'm not just throwing my daughters out there to the wolves, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but all that to say that the, the, the love and affection that my wife and I have for our children is very hard to describe. It's very hard to describe the love that you have for your kids. And I have two daughters. And I heard one parent uh, say it like this one time, and, and I can't improve on it, so I'm just going to share it with you. And they said, when I had my child, it was like my heart was actually broken open with love that I couldn't have even described. And that's what it's like. That's what it's like to have children. It's just like, I, I thought I knew what the word love meant. I thought I, I knew what the word love meant, you know, when I loved my parents. And I, I thought I knew what the word love meant when, when I got married. But how can you describe the love that you have for your kids? How can you um, even put words to it? And this is the second part of the message today that we want to think about, that we need to give tons of discipline to our children. But we need to give equal amounts and more amounts of love. That we will always be on our kids' side. And we will give them love unconditionally, regardless. And I want them to make bad choices, and I don't want them to make mistakes, and they're not, they're good girls. But if one day they do, I'm going to be there for them. They will always be my kids. See, when we, and when we start to think about this, the very first verses we read there, he said, hey, if, if, you're, if you're just normal and natural and you've got love for your kids, how much more can we fathom the love of God for us? We're just going to finish today reading a few verses from the book of Luke about God's love. Luke chapter 15. And this is the story we call the prodigal son, but really it's a story about two sons from the scripture. There are these two sons, and the, the younger came and said, you know, Dad, I, I know you're not dead yet, but if you could uh, divide your inheritance to me and my brother, it would be great. You know, it's, and it's kind of a, if you think about the story, it's, it's actually kind of a little bit disrespectful to go to your dad and say, hey, we know death is in sight for you. 
do you wouldn't mind just sort of splitting up the money right now so we could maybe enjoy it all together while you're still alive? <clears throat> so he went, the younger son, the very famous story, he went and he, and he took the inheritance that he had been given and he just wasted it. You know, he just wasted it on his life and, you know, he went to Vegas for four months or something and just wasted it, right? So he's, because he's wasted all his money, he's there and he's taking a job with a guy and his new job is looking after the pigs and he's looking at the pig food. His life has gone down so far. And he's at this place that he's looking at the pig food thinking, you know what, I might actually eat that. That's how hungry he was. That's how far he had fallen. And he starts to think about this. And verse 17 says this, but when he came to himself, he had gotten so low that he was going to eat the pig food. And we might know somebody who's maybe made some wrong choices. And they, their life has taken them down a road that is unfortunate, that it's sad, that it's difficult now. And here this guy is, uh, he, he came to himself. He realized that he had made some bad choices. He realized he had made some mistakes. He says this, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? So now he's thinking, hey, my dad has employees and they're eating well. He says, but I perish here with hunger. Verse 18, I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. He just wanted to acknowledge that he was down low. He had made mistakes. He's rehearsing this that he's going to say. He says, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. So he had practiced this speech. He's like, you know, Dad, I've made some mistakes. I, I, I'm, I'm not even worthy to be called your son anymore. Just, just treat me like an employee. Just treat me someone who you don't even know. And he rose and he came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, felt compassion, and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the, and the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and he is alive again. He was lost and is found. And he began to celebrate. They began to celebrate. Why? Because the son that had messed up, who had made mistakes, the child that had done wrong. See here, this love is for us to understand the love of God, but then it's also for us to understand the love as fathers that we're supposed to be giving to our children. So the father's there. He's looking. And the son... The son is way off in the distance, but as soon as he sees his father, the father runs toward him. Why? Because that's his son. He's made mistakes and he's done some wrong stuff. 
But he says to the servants, hey, bring him something. Bring him this and bring him shoes on his feet and a ring on his hand. Sometimes our kids are going to make mistakes. They're going to make wrong choices and do wrong things. But they're still ours. They're still ours. And what will we do when we see them after a while of wrong choices? What does God do? He runs. He runs toward him. He doesn't hold back and say, wait, I'm going I'm to wait and see. I'm going to wait and see if you're good enough. I'm going to wait and see if you act right. And maybe I'll give you my love. No, listen. God's love is without condition. It is unconditional. It's unconditional. See, and that's where discipline comes from. Because we love our kids unconditionally, we care about them so much that we want a good future. That's why we discipline. But we never, we never, we never hold back love. Because love is what's necessary in the middle of the mistakes. Love is what's necessary in the middle of the shortcomings. What did he do? He, he ran toward him. Kissed him. Hugged him. Do we hug and kiss our kids, dads? This is big now. I know, I know your dad might not have done it. Different generation. But that's one of those things that we need to put down. One of the things that we need to pick up is we've got to hug our kids. We've got to kiss them, the boys too. Even when they don't want it, even when they don't feel like it, even when they push away, I'm going to pull you close. Why? Because the Father loves. Listen, the Father loves. The Father loves. He gives us this love, dads, so that we can just give it to our kids discipline and love it's a wonderful tremendous combination so here we have this child the mess up and if you have kids you might have one of those and if you have two kids they're definitely not the same and they have different gifts and different talents and they do different things and they make different choices and here's the other son here's the other son who's a little bit self-righteous a little bit arrogant the child who always follows the rules the straight-laced child. I tell you what, that child needs your love too. The child that's always there and that always makes the right choices and always does the good things. We need to love that child too. Love them through their self-righteousness. His older son was in the field and he came and drew near to the house and he heard music and dancing. Now that is some kind of party. And he heard the music and he heard the dancing. We're going to have a party. We're going to have a dad party after service this morning. And he heard the music and dancing. Verse 26, and he called one of the servants and he asked him what these things meant. He said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he had received him back safe and sound. He was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you and never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat and I might celebrate with you and my friends. 
But when this, your son, your son, came, you dev who devoured your property with all prostitutes, and you killed the fattened calf for him, and he, had, he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. This is what the Father's love looks like. For the child that runs away and messes up, and for the child that follows all the rules, I'm telling you what they both need. They both need the Father's love. They both need the Father's discipline. They both need the Father's love, discipline, and love. And so dads, God has entrusted us with kids, with people, that he wants us to invest into their future. Why? Because he wants to use them. He actually wants to be their boss one day. And then you've trained them to say, yes, sir. Why do you want them to do that? Because ultimately, dads, you want your kids to say, yes, sir, to God. When he comes with his instructions, with the things that he wants them to do. The things that he's calling them to do. That you, as they leave your house one day, you're turning them over to God and you want them to be obedient to God. That you've invested discipline into them and you have loved them and you have cared for them on their best day and on their worst day. That you give them love and affection and acceptance. And this is what God does for us and this is why we love him so and this is why we are thankful for Jesus because God displays his love in Jesus for us the ultimate love the ultimate display of love that Jesus died on the cross for us love without condition dads and discipline with consistency. Let's just pray this morning. Thanks for listening. If you need prayer or would like to share how this message has impacted you, please email info at thecitychurch.ca.